three of the top five risks right now that, that businesses and individuals face has to do around phishing. So the idea of a phishing attack is that I can get a message to you. That message, I want to get you to do one of three things. I want to either get you to click on a link, I want to get you to open an attachment, or I want to get you to interact with me as, a, as, as, as an attacker. So Are you allowing your client's personal data to be hacked? That is the subject we're talking about today on Today's Real Talk, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com. I'm your host, Justin Kazepis, joined by a man that makes me a little nervous right now in the studio, Mr. John Stengel of JSCM Group. JSCMgroup.com, JSCMgroup.com, JSCMgroup.com. Mr. John, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you, Justin? I, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, a little nervous, as I mentioned. I'm checking my pockets, making sure my phone is still here. I have my iPad because uh, you're a dangerous man, and I would bet that you could hack pretty much anything in this room, uh, and that's what makes me a little bit nervous. So I'm glad you're a good guy. I'm going to say that, because what John and his company focus on is cybersecurity, one of the hottest topics right now, John. You know that. I'm sure you know that. And the level that we're seeing of, of, of criminality and, and the extent that criminals are going to is evolving daily at this point. And if anybody knows that, it's you. So, so tell people a little bit about your background because you started in the 90s. So I want to get a little inside scoop on you here because I tried giving you a good Google and I couldn't find much on you out there. I feel like that's intentional, but I'm not going to, I don't even want, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm watching my P's and Q's today. So tell us a little bit about you, how you got started. What was it that got you into cybersecurity? Well, first off, I'm not a dangerous man. I'm, I, don't, I don't steal stuff. He's humble, too. I just though. know the information that just happens to be out there. So, yeah, I've been doing this for about 20 years now, uh, a little over 20 years, I guess. So uh, I got my start uh, basically as the Internet was coming of age. It's sort of when I started, my, uh, I started working in this business and I started doing security for a large insurance carrier and was handling the security of their physical systems and um, kind of started this company as I was doing that. I broke that off after about 10 months. And, you know, our initial projects, we were doing more along the big, the big brother type of stuff. Companies were getting internet connections and they were seeing a massive reduction in um, productivity. So we started to put in these filters to prevent people from accessing certain types of websites and those kind of things. So it was pretty, pretty straightforward back then. But then what we started to do is we started to connect multiple locations together. Companies had multiple connections together. And with that, we saw the internet kind of kind of come on, and then kind of born out of that, we started to see this, the risks around that and, and, and the risk with people being able to get into systems. We were turning on email systems. People were breaking into the email systems. So we started to kind of see this trend develop. So we decided to turn the focus of our company more from the networking side to the security side. And so, uh, been, and, and so we've kind of been stuck on that for a long period. So, so did you like help invent Netscape? Because I think that was like one of the first internet browsers <laughs> out not. there, right? I did not. <laughs> that was the one we used back in school when it, even they had. I remember the first Mac. I think it was, maybe it was called Mac Two or whatever. The green box computer, and that's what we had was Netscape. They blocked every site back then. And as a five year old, I wasn't aware. But obviously, kids these days are learning more and more. We're going to get into the kids concept. So the overview of today's show, because we want to break this down for for the the general everyday person. 
because there's a lot of stuff out there. I think there's a lot of moves people are making that they are risking the loss of their personal information. And, and we want to educate people about that. So we're going to start as a whole of, of cybersecurity. What are you seeing in the world and locally here in the U.S.? We're going to get into real estate specifically. John, I, and uh, full disclosure for people, JSCM Group, we have brought them on at Kazepis Law uh, to help us with internet security, certain features that they offer and um, provide the solutions for to help us protect our client data. So we're going to get into real estate, and then we're going to talk about those solutions, what JSCM Group offers. And then we're also going to get into, um, I'm going to guess a little personal subject on you there, uh, Cyber Effect, which is one of John's um, and his team's kind of parent or, or sub company moves right now they're doing to help educate parents. So I want to get into that. So let's start on, on a on a global scale, John. Um, you just got back from a black hat conference, um, so the, you got the inside information, and John's going to share a little bit with us. He's not. I'm, I'm sure there's things he can't talk about, but he's going to talk about some of it with us. So tell us what what we're seeing on a global scale right now when it comes to cybersecurity. So the number one risk for cybersecurity always kind of centers around the individual. It always comes down to financial, whether it's uh, the uh, whether the, the crime is being attempted from a hacker, which most likely is associated with organized crime or some type of other thing, but it's all about financial gain. So the number one trend that's been going on for some time now has to do around phishing and targeted email phishing scams, kind of centered around people trying to uh, get information out of people or businesses. So a lot of times when you hear about this business was hacked or that business was hacked, it originated with someone clicking on an email with, with somebody trying to impersonate a real-life individual. So uh, many businesses face this issue as well, where they, they, you know, email comes in, they think it's from the boss or whatever, and, it's, and they ask them to wire funds. It's not, gets wired to an outside source, money's gone, those kind of things. So everything sort of focuses now on being able to get inside of businesses. Most businesses have the ability to kind of detect or block things in a firewall. Vulnerabilities, you ignore all of that. You really need to focus on how you're interacting over email and messaging and phones and all those kind of things. And John is an author as well. Um, I'm not sure if you knew that or not, but Security Pyramid, that is his new book, Security Pyramid. I got it on Amazon. Uh, is Amazon your main spot you're selling yep. it at? Or, so Amazon.com, Security Pyramid, John Stengel, S-T-E-N-G-E-L. I read this book from cover to cover, John, and I told you, I don't do much reading. Now, I read articles, I read statues, or stat statutes, and uh, some other random things, but I, I read your book cover to cover, and I gotta say, thoroughly impressed but by the end of it still not really clear on what i'm supposed to do besides hire the right company to come in and help me with this stuff so phenomenal i'm going to get your autograph on this thing if that's okay before you leave today okay because that you can't hack see that's see, right. see what i did there all right so so from a global perspective phishing phishing is is huge because how much email is integrated into our everyday lives especially on the business level i mean everyday uh decisions are being made over email it's not so much just in a boardroom um and, and people talking face to face and making decisions when you're talking about the normal small business they are transacting business through email on a day-to-day -day basis so when you tell me somebody's trying to fish me Give me what specifically, give me the technical side if you can. What does that mean? What are they specifically doing? And ultimately, when you say personal information, so what are we trying to target here? Yeah, so three of the top five risks right now that, that businesses and individuals face has to do around phishing. So the idea of a phishing attack is that I can get a message to you. That message, I want to get you to do one of three things. I want to either get you to click on a link, I want to get you to open an attachment, or I want to get you to interact with me as, as, 
as, as an attacker. So let's just say I, I, I was um, trying to attack your organization. So I'm trying to go after your, your law firm. I'm going to impersonate one of your employees, and I'm going to try to get you to interact with me either to do something. Now, the purpose of clicking on a link or downloading an attachment, opening an attachment, is going to be that I can get malware, ransomware, or something on your computer that you can get open up. And from that, I'll be able to either steal information from your organization, um, or I'll be able to lock your files and hold you, hold, hold you at ransom. Those things all originate with a phishing attack. So you always want to accomplish one of those three things. The other, the, the other risks that people face are going to be centered around passwords. If you have weak passwords, companies who are losing passwords and those kind of things. But that's just really more rare because the, that information that I can get out of an individual is going to be small, except if I'm trying to deal with a business. So as an individual, you're going to be always also worried about, about the phishing. So ABC123 is not a good password for me. Is that what you're telling me right now? <laughs> Definitely not. I don't know. Maybe I should go change that real quick. I'm not sure. But okay, so phishing and the attempt of, of stealing data. But there's something else here too that, that I've heard you speak on before. And, and it doesn't have to be just the business to business because what, you, what you've said to me, and, and it was almost kind of taken back like I got a little nervous once again. Like I said, I, I feel like I'm, I'm learning so much here. It's almost overwhelming. Uh, we are not the client as the consumer. We are the product uh, is what you've said. So for the normal consumer that's going to a public place and public Wi-Fi, what are the risks there and, and really what should be the precautions taken for that? So any type of free Wi-Fi or any type of free website such as Facebook, Google, um, or the Wi-Fi at Starbucks or a hotel or any type of public Wi-Fi. The purpose of free Wi-Fi and free websites are because they're gathering information about you as an individual. So they're tracking your information. They're um, able to um, use that information and sell that data to a data broker. Mm -hmm. So you're the product at that time. You're not the client. The client are the people buying the data from those organizations. You have to realize that as both an individual and an employee of an organization or an owner of an organization because once you realize that they're just gathering that data to, to um, sell it, everything you do is being tracked. So if you have, whether it's on your telephone, whether it's a free Angry Birds app or that kind of thing. A great story that happens in this space is that, um, uh, the, and there's the story of a government organization that wanted to hack individuals and gather information about them. They quickly realized there was no point because Angry Birds was all, already gathering so much data, they just hacked Angry Birds. Wow. So whether that story is true or not, I'm not 100% sure, but the point is direct. The apps and the things that we're interacting with are, uh, yeah, make sure it's not No, sorry, I'm checking to literally make sure I delete the, my Angry <laughs> so Birds app. It's not just Angry it, Birds, though, unfortunately. It's a great game, you know, it's a funny movie, but the, the, that is a great story to demonstrate the amount of data that we're gathering. It's all about to get it. So whether you're signing up for a free discount card at a grocery store or uh, somebody wants your email address when you try to check out at the Gap or somebody, uh, somebody who wants to gather something to sign you up for a rewards program, it's all about selling that data to a data broker. It's, a it's sometimes referred to as a secondary market, but in the terms of, of websites and Wi-Fi, it's the primary market. So also, public Wi-Fi, not secure. You can sit in Starbucks. Uh, uh, hacker can sit next to you in Starbucks and he'll be able to steal everything that you're doing. Starbucks is not securing that network. So when you say when you say it's not secure on the public network, so let's say a hacker comes in or, or somehow a hacker gets on their network, we'll say, can he or she, I, guess, I mean, or whoever, 
get on like my webcam and see me like what are these levels we're talking about as far as is that something more frequent or are we talking about the data you have stored on your computer is what's at risk so yes to all of that but the primary thing is right now you're not looking at your phone but right now your phone is checking your email automatically behind the scenes in order for that to work you're transmitting your password across the network so if somebody was hacking you even though you're not interacting with your phone your password's being sent Somebody could steal that data right through that password. And they could also, um, as far as like um, apps that are tracking your location, they're already broadcasting that information. Even if you're not connected to the Wi-Fi, your phone is banging and, and, and sending a beacon to those, those devices are communicating. They can still track your whereabouts just by that beacon. And, and you have a passion for the legal side like we were talking about before the show. And, and you mentioned the new case that's out there, the Carpenter case. Correct. Um, well, that, yeah, that's kind of an old case, but that just reached a... The, the the highest level I think Correct. as as yeah. far as it goes and and, it, and it's interesting now now that uh, law enforcement is required to have a warrant as far as it goes to to be able to collect that data uh, but then you talk about data selling brokers and, and they don't need a warrant in order to sell it because someone had clicked accept on the terms and Correct. service agreement. So you click accept on those on those terms of service that TOS you've accepted everything. But John, what can we do because? I like my I like my my things that let me connect, but I have to click accept if I want to use them, right? Right. Don't the, the the key to all security is really privacy. Deciding that you're not going to download that free app or that free flashlight app that needs access to your camera or your microphone. I mean, these things should ring bells in your head. Like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Why would they need access to this? Right. If it's just turning on my tur turning on a flashlight, or you know, so you really have to ask yourself why they need this information and 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 not giving it out you have to be secure by not giving out your information you're limiting your footprint by being a private person you're limiting the amount of information that, that people have access to and that's really the key to security you're never going to be able to stop a target or a home depot or anything from getting broken into but if they get in there and they don't find you that's really the best possible scenario is it doesn't it's not going to affect you at all and and so by not Signing up for these things is the number one thing you can do to protect yourself. And we don't want to say that that you know don't use these specific companies. Like that's not the point of the show is to go. No, around I'm saying say, don't give those specific companies your personal information. Right. Exactly. Company. Now, but there is a product out there that is is increasing in popularity, and that is these home devices type thing that are full service. I mean, you see the commercials. You can turn lights on and off. You know, play music. You can, you know, record things like that. What is the risk? To, is there is there a risk to people for those type of devices? And is there a way to? If there is, is there a way to make it safe uh, to be able to have one in your home? Okay, so that refers to what's called the Internet of Things, or in my business we refer to it as IoT. Okay. So that's any device connected to the internet, behind the scenes or whatever. That's not a computer. So uh, there's an entire market center around these home-based IoT devices. So they're thermostats, they're refrigerators, they're everything. So um, there is not a lot of um, there's not a lot of, of, of data out on there yet. There's a lot of, of issues with those devices, but there's um, not a lot of information out there from a legal standpoint. I, I suggest if somebody's interested, go check, do a Google search of a Jeep. It's called a Jeep Cherokee hack. And if you go and you look at the, the Jeep Cherokee hack, you'll see somebody who's able to remotely take over, these two gentlemen, remotely, remotely take over a Jeep Cherokee and drive the thing off the road. And they did this on NBC News back in 2012, I believe. It's been a while. That is currently um, 
that, that, that has turned into a class action lawsuit that they filed against Chrysler Fiat. And so that's sort of the first case we've seen where they're suing the manufacturer for the um, damages that, that could be caused. Right. We're still yet to see if that will make it through the courts or what's going to happen right. with that. But everything you, the, the point of it is, even your car is, is, has the ability to be hacked right now. So these devices are absolutely everywhere. So you really have to question whether or not you want to bring in more of these things to your house. It's annoying for a hacker, and it's cute if a hacker can turn on the lights in your house or whatever. <laughs> What's scary is, is when you start to see people break into baby cams, and they're able to see and talk and interact with your kid. Like, so there's certain types of Internet of Things devices that you do not want to allow in your house, like cameras that are connected live or connected through apps and those kind of things. But if you think it's fun to turn the lights off in your house and um, you know, maybe lock your doors, that's, that stuff's probably a little bit better, but I wouldn't personally do it, but I don't want to be a... I mean, it sounds like I need to go and find some land that is completely undeveloped and, and pitch a tent and stay out there. Is that what you're telling me right now? Let's be honest. Are well, you, if, you're, you're, if you're completely worried about attacks, yes. But really, those things... I'm too not, paranoid now. Yeah, that's what it is. That's okay. just right. cute, fun stuff that you know amateur hackers want to do. There's really not a major threat there. The major threat really comes down to businesses, because that's where we're dealing with money. So when a, a, a retailer gets hacked or stealing credit card information, that's about money. When somebody wires money to uh, the wrong account, that's a financial impact. That's really where you know these these organized crime rings and these hacker rings. That's where they're really focused. You gave you gave us a piece of advice prior to the show, and I think that it, it was so powerful when you said it. But I think that the consumers, every consumer, should deserve to hear it. Your recommendation is to only use a card, a financial card, as credit, not as debit. Correct. So any debit card, any card issued from your bank that's connected to a checking account, only use that card as credit. If you do, you have zero liabilities in individual, you're protected by MasterCard and Visa um, in the event that uh, somebody were to steal that credit card number, they would just issue a new one, re put your funds back, you're good to go. No, no harm done, really, except for maybe 24 hours. Uh, if you run it as debit, you possibly do have some liability there, depending on the financial institution, but um, they also have the ability to drain cash from your bank account. It's much harder to prove you didn't make that withdrawal than if you did. There's devices that you can purchase um, over the internet on something called the uh, dark web or deep web uh, or um, that allow you to create fake credit cards by using the encoded information stolen from one of these places. You take that along with the PIN number, they have access to cash. So it's much, it, a lot more damage can be done. And, and you mentioned the dark web and, and we have to talk about the dark web. We have <laughs> to talk about the dark web a little bit because it's like, what is it? I mean, I mean, is this some kind of facade that's out there that what it what is this is it's a different specific kind of computer that has something in it that can do it i mean it's practically an internet browser right isn't that what the dark web is or, so or what a, is it a dark what the dark web is something that is um it's it's an internet that runs kind of parallel to the internet that we all see you have to access it through uh, a certain type of network um the technical term is called a tor network okay um, and you can use browsers and Tor browsers to access the dark web. And that's sort of the, the it's, really the, it's really where all this stuff is, is bought and sold. It's heavily, heavily monitored by um, legal authorities from all different countries. It's also heavily trolled by organized crime. And there's websites out there where people kind of buy and sell. So when you lose credit cards or credit card numbers get stolen or email addresses or personal identifiable information get stolen, that's where it's sold typically in these markets. 
Well, and obviously the most famous one is Silk Road, right? I mean, that's the, that's, that's the most long right. Exactly, that was the mainstream one there, and, and it shut down. But it's still alive and well. I mean, I guess I would say it's probably still busier than ever. I would imagine. Not Silk Road, but new ones have opened up. Right. I'm not going to give. But the, the dark web in, in general, Correct. oh yeah, it, it absolutely, is it's, wide it's open. Bigger right? I can and, imagine. and better than ever. Yeah, I won't <laughs> say better. I shouldn't say better. It's better. Yes. Uh, is it possible to remove that data, personal data, once it's out there? No, absolutely not. It's gone forever. It's gone. So when, whenever we think about that fact, and, and really what it seems like it comes down to is we have to make conscious decisions then and be smart. Because like you said, when I get that app and it says, oh, can we access your location? I'm like, sure, why not? Go ahead and take my location right now. You know, uh, Clash of Clans or, or any of the games that I play and things like that. Uh, but it sounds like I, I really should be a little bit smarter with that. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I mean, just understand when you click those terms and conditions or you're allowing that access, you're, you know, you're the product. Wow. Let that data. Now, a lot of people will say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't really care. I'm not doing anything wrong. That's not really the point. The point is the creepiness factor, that they have this information on you, you know, right. that they're able to do this. And companies have long wanted to predict your purchasing and buying habits. Um, Cost of acquisition. I mean, for a business, an ultimate business, that's what they want to know is what is it going to take? How much do we have to spend ad-wise, right? So I'm Correct. sure that this kind of data information plays into that. So when, so when I use an app in the store and, the, and I'm using the app to buy products or I'm using an app inside the store, that's gold for them. They can sit there and they can know exactly what aisles I shop in, what I'm purchasing, what I'm doing. So that may not bother you because you're getting deals specifically to your house. So those are less creepy than the flashlight that wants your location. Or the stalker apps that allow you to, um, it's, 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 it's a new term out there called spouseware. It's the, it's the ability to track an individual mm -hmm. and everything that you're doing, getting copies of your texts and everything like that. I mean, those kind of things are much more creepy. I mean, we're, we're basically, you know, you know the, the, the sad part is, is that people used to have to work to stalk or, or gain access to an individual. Now it's very simple. Mm -hmm. You just simply can get these apps and things on this phone. And how do they get on the phones? Through you know, vishing or phishing attacks that wind up on these phones. So if they get to you to put something on there, get you to install an app, that data then is sold. So it's important for businesses to, to take the right steps um, to find those solutions out there. JSCM Group, we're going to talk about what some of the solutions they offer here shortly. When we come right back, we're going to delve into the real estate side of things. The name of the show is Today's Real Talk, guys. So we're going to talk a little bit about real estate here, but we want to start at the most basic level with this because this affects everyone. It does not matter what industry you're in. We're going to talk about children as well because what John is telling is, is going to tell us is about how much children are vulnerable. So we want to address that. So when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. Justin Kazepis with Today's Real Talk, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com. Looking to build a YouTube channel to get leads and sales for your business? Real results can do that. Looking to create a podcast that positions you as a thought leader? Real results can do that. Are you looking for video content to help market your business online? Real results can do that. If you need help with marketing or even training videos, then it's time to get real. Realresults.io. Todaysrealtalk.com. I'm Justin Kazepis, your host, joined by Mr. John Stengel of JSCM Group. JSCMgroup.com. 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 The Security Pyramid, the book by the man himself who's sitting here with me at the table right now. I, I got to tell you, John, I, this outlines it pretty good. And just to recap what we talked about earlier, uh, I mean, you, you lay out the steps here of what it takes to really protect 
business data. I mean, you really lay it out here and you, you give the what's called the security pyramid that breaks it down. And you say the most important step is your firewall. That's the first place to start. Firewall is your access in and out of your network. It's your front door, all the windows. It, it actually absolutely controls everything. And not only blocks people from getting in, it actually gives us the ability to detect and see what's leaving the network. That's the most important thing is what's leaving the network. People want to get in to get stuff out. So you need a decent, I mean, not even a decent, a high-end, nice firewall that can be able to, 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 to detect any of those things going in and out. The good part is it doesn't cost businesses a lot of money. You just need the right one, right. which means if you can buy it in the store, you don't buy it. Okay. So <laughs> that's the general, general rule right there. So, um, but, uh, you know, that's really the, the, it's where it all starts. And everything else is built on it from there. And the security pyramid that you go through is, is quite a lot of steps, and, and, and it can be intimidating. I mean, for a small business owner myself, I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated. I'm intimidated by a lot of this stuff because now I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to go back to a flip phone. That's first off. Uh, I'm going to have to throw away uh, all my debit cards. I'm going to have to then lock down my business network because I think I should take care of personal first. But JSCM Group has a lot of solutions and some wonderful uh, affordable solutions at that. Um, so, so here's the key to this thing. So there's a lot of steps inside that pyramid. Mm -hmm. But you need to know a couple things. First off, regardless of the size of your company, you need to be taking decent steps to protect it. But small businesses have, the, have options just like large businesses do. So although there's a ton of steps in there, a small business can do things to mitigate those things. You can outsource certain things for a small fee. So there's things like you need to have secure email. We'll just outsource that. And for something like two, two bucks a user per month, you can secure your email. Mm. It's, not, it's a step in the pyramid, but it's not a major thing. You can kind of combine those things very easily. Larger companies are definitely not as secure as small businesses. There's no, don't assume because a company is bigger or because you work or maybe you're a broker for a large, you're no more secure than if you work for a small one. It's all on how you interact and do those things. And locking down the email, uh, I think, is a great segue into real estate because real estate is so heavily email-based. It's to the point to where... Um, calling on the phone and talking on the phone is considered old school. I mean, let's be honest. Like that, it truly is. I mean, to, to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, how are you? Good." Now, let me just type an email real quick. It's going to be easier to send this. Oh, I've got an earnest money deposit check. I've got a due diligence fee check, and everyone needs a copy of it. Let me email it to everyone. Right? That's the kind of information that people are sending, and that is personal identifiable information. Uh, what would you recommend to the uh, broker, maybe the real estate broker, to the lender, to to the vendor that gets credit card information via an application form from a client and it's sent via email? What are the types of steps that really should be taken when we're talking about real estate? And then we're going to talk about some of this wire fraud stuff here shortly. But let's start with that. So if there was, um, if I was, so there's several different types of hackers in the so a, a white hat is somebody like me who does, who does all this work to research and to study and to, and to help businesses be secure. There's what's called black hat hackers. You're the ones that are trying to steal stuff. If I was a black hat hacker, I would focus myself on one of three businesses, healthcare, banks, or real estate. And the reason is, is that there's no other organizations in the world that have more information about individuals. So as a broker, you need to understand that if I'm interacting with you and you have action, or you do something that causes my name, my personal identifiable information to get lost, you are 100% responsible. You can be sued, and you will, you will lose that case because you are responsible for whatever loss took place. Just because it, somebody broke into your email and maybe that email is hosted with some, a large company, doesn't matter. 
you're still responsible. Those large companies will tell you, no, you're responsible. So you are 100% responsible as real estate brokers to protect the information on your clients. You cannot be careless with this information. They are either giving you mortgage application information, they are giving you financial information, they are giving you information on past addresses or where to send information, employment histories. That is an absolute goldmine for an attacker to steal information from. So being careless in the real estate world, um, frankly, is very neg negligent on, on their parts. That said, I have dealt with a number of real estate brokers who are completely negligent with that information. And I, I absolutely would not do business with, with a lot, anybody who does that. I would detect it, but the average individual can't. So as, the, as brokers, you need to make sure that you're sending secure emails, both when you're dealing with um, uh, other brokers about a certain sale or, or that's taking place, maybe when dealing with the banks, although the banks are really pretty good about, about securing those. They lock their stuff there. down. I mean, they're more and more their policies and protocols are, are getting more and more intense as far as requirements of passwords and things like that and, and resetting and the yeah. strength and, and, of passwords and, 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 and all that. And encrypted email and stuff like that. But even when the broker is dealing with the individual, it's up to the broker, the individual is not going to have email security, right? So it's up to the broker to, to find a way to interact with their clients in a secure fashion. You know, in business, when somebody gets broken into, they usually throw the um, IT person under the bus or yeah. somebody who was responsible for it, and that person loses their job. It's going to be no different in the future with real estate brokers. You know, whoever, you, whoever whatever um, organization or, or, or real estate firm you're representing, they will throw you under the bus in a second because right. the, the data is absolutely too high. Well, and, and most brokers are 1099 con independent Correct. contractors, so even more than you would think that that relies more on the individual firm companies then because if they're bringing in these independent contractors, right, it becomes their responsibility. So that firm level of protecting data is huge. Correct. So everywhere you interact with your clients on, whether it's at your office, at your home, on your phone, you need to make sure that you're doing it in a secure fashion. It's the number one risk I see, and it, it, it's affecting individuals. All privacy laws, all cybersecurity laws, they're not to protect businesses. Business to business stuff, they really don't care about, to be honest with you. What they care about is individuals, citizens, of whether, whether it's this country or any other country in the world. The consumer data. They're concerned with the individual. So there's no, there's no breach, there's no law that says you have to disclose a breach between two businesses. It's when you lose private personal information. Now, encrypted email, um, almost to the level of, of portals is, is what I call it, uh, and I, I, that may be the technical term or not, but that's that's what I'm seeing a lot more in the industry going toward, and that's what we've chosen to use at Kazepis Law is a portal. Uh, what I like about it from the internal firm user, we, ha we have enabled two-way authentication, which is where we have the Google Authenticator app or any of the Authenticator apps that you can use um, that gives you a six-digit code that resets every 10 seconds whenever you're trying to log into a new device with that account. Um, since we are the ones who hold that personal information, when we're talking about social security numbers, we're talking about wiring instructions for clients and their personal bank accounts, we're talking about loan numbers, and we're talking about which banks that those are with with their account numbers. So we are dealing with a lot of personal identifiable information. What are the risks, I, I guess, as compared to normal email versus something in more secure, like a uh, encrypted email or portal? Kind of give us... I mean, are we talking apples and oranges? That's literally how, how broad of a base difference this is. How, how deep does it go? Yeah, so any, any portal type thing that, like you're doing, and I didn't know you did this, to be honest with you. So um, kind of a shameless pat on the back here. But no. um, so the fact that you're requiring a Google Authenticator, what's called two-factor or multi-factor authentication, um, is terrific. 
it's because you need a password and then another piece of information. So that's terrific that you're doing that. A lot of, a lot of people aren't doing that. Email is a different kind of thing because email can, can, it can get out of an organization. It's referred to as DLP or data loss. Um, and so organizations need data loss prevention in order to prevent that from going out. So any organization can, can, uh, can set a system up so in the event something accidentally tried to get sent, they could just deny that message. Because okay. you can detect things like social security numbers or payment information, bank routing numbers. That can all be you know, kind of identified in an email message, right. prevented, or force it to be encrypted so nothing can sneak out of an organization. But I need your help with something, John, because you deal with technology all the time, right? I mean, that, that's the main basis of what you do. For cybersecurity, you've got to have some kind of piece of technology, right? Because this piece of paper here, this isn't hackable here. But anybody should go and buy it on Amazon.com. I will say that security pyramid, you should go buy that on Amazon.com. But if we're talking about some type of piece of technology, how do I convince people that my portal is the right way to go? Right, rather than, well, I don't feel like logging into your portal. I don't feel like signing up for that extra layer of security. I wanna just do it through my normal email that comes directly to my phone. What is, what is it that I can tell them that will um, help them to understand the level of importance that this really is about? Don't make it negotiable. This is the only way you can interact with me. This is the only way we're gonna accept this information. You can just per completely prevent it from ever showing up in your, in your system. You just have to take the stand and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna accept it anymore. I can't email financial information to my bank. They're never gonna receive it. They're taking that stance. You have to do the same thing as people say, I, I, I can't accept it this way. They won't let us open up those email attachments. So the small businesses and the medium businesses too, because I'm sure there's a lot out there that, that as far that need to step up their protocols and the big businesses, I'm sure it's all across the spectrum. So really it's just, okay, we want consumers and we want more business, but at the same time, if we're gonna be responsible for this data, we have to take the necessary precautions. Right, you're gonna be held liable. Don't take a chance. Don't put yourself in a position where somebody could be on your computer stealing that information. So let's talk about, I wanna go back to the dark web a little bit here. Let, let's talk about, do you know what's like the going rate for a social security number? Do you know like how that works as far as internally or anything like that or kind yes. of what do you? So You uh, do, okay, excuse well, me, let me make sure my phone's still in my pocket. Okay, go ahead. You know, a credit card simply is worth about 80 cents on a dark web, it's not worth a lot of money. Social security number's worth about $8 on the web. A health record or a mortgage record is worth $80. Really? Why is a health record worth more? What, Think what about is everything that's in your health record. It is your social security number. It is your address. It is your uh, insurance information. It is probably your financial information. It is the entire, entire financial picture in most cases. Although you should never give your social security number to your doctor. Just say no to that one. They don't need it. It's just so they can try to collect money if you don't pay. So just tell them. You're not going to do that. Don't worry, don't I'll pay my bills. Don't give them your thumbprint and your fingerprint either, because a lot of times people attach that to their medical records as well. So then you have you lose that piece of information. And you can easily create fingerprints out of Play-Doh. So it's definitely not something that you want to do. You can actually unlock certain phones with Play-Doh. Are Are you a superhero fan by any chance? I, I, not really. I watch him, but my son loves him. Okay, so, so I'm a big Batman fan. Like, oh, I, would say, I like Batman. He okay, so Batman. He doesn't like Batman. I don't get it. He doesn't like Batman? Okay. <laughs> the, the Christian Bale series of Batman, which a lot of people hated on because of the, the story arc was completely different than the comic, but it's a movie. Get over it. Uh, nope, best, best series of those movies. Uh, there we go. See, be careful. Don't, <laughs> don't try, John. Don't tell him it's not a good series. Uh, in that series, though, Catwoman, right? Uh, she has the ability. Selena Kyle, she has... Uh, wants this device that can erase all all criminal information from the dark web and everything down. Can we invent that? No. 
There's nothing we can do for that. You can't. Once information is out there, you simply can't take it back. So do you see that as the next level? You mentioned fingerprints, right? Because now if you look at like the iPhone X, right, because it's got the facial recognition technology, do you see that being the next level of data that's to be stolen or fingerprints and things like that and facial recognition? Or where do you see the evolution of this going, I guess? Well, I think facial recognition is probably the next logical it probably be, will be the last step. I mean, short of spitting on your phone and checking your DNA, I don't really think there's another way in order to do it. It's still up to the people who make those devices to make that system secure. Anything that's stored is stored in a database. The database has to be secure. Right. So, um, and, and we're humans, and humans create this stuff, and there's errors in every single bit of it. So, so as a real estate um, attorney dealing with real estate brokers and the consumers, what are the questions that consumers, right, the, the products for these hackers or, or these companies and, and the data people, so, so the consumers, what are the questions they should be asking the professionals they're working with? I'm not sure I understand you mean as far as other... As far as, so let's say you're going to work with somebody like a real estate broker. You mentioned that there are certain people you wouldn't work with because you, you've experienced and seen the, how they treat data. So the basic level questions, what are the good ones that they should ask? Anybody who could potentially be working with their personal information, what yeah. should they ask? What measures are you going to take to protect my information? If I hire you as my agent or, 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 or if you're going to broker a deal for me, what, what are you going to do to protect my information? Why should I trust you with my information? Because, you know, a lot of real estate agents, you're, you're all charged with the same percentage, right? Or <laughs> this is kind of a, kind of a set, set in stone. So what are you going to do differently than a guy down the street? Because the guy down the street is going to require me to do this, this, and this. He's going to be looking out for me. Are you going to do that? And especially with people starting up. You know, don't take shortcuts on this one. Do it right from the start. Quickest way to not be successful is to go out, go out of business because you lost information or to get that bad reputation. And we, you mentioned that in your book about that a lot of companies wait to start until down the road, but the easiest way to really take control of the matter is to do it in the beginning. Correct. So, so from a foundational perspective, what's the bare minimum that a small business should have if they're dealing with uh, personal identifiable information? So that's sort of a big question, but if we can focus it down into real estate brokers, people that are starting up, be in, a, be in an office with a really good firewall. Don't get on public Wi-Fi and work for your clients. Get a really strong email program that uses that requires two forms of, of uh, authentication, and um, get yourself checked out every year. That's the number the number number one way to be more protected. Is just do those bare minimum of things. If you can do that, get some professional in security, not some IT person, but a security professional to be able to tell you whether or not something is good or bad. You'll be you'll be much 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 better off. It's not complicated. This book outlines everything because it has to cover everything from the small to the large. But most of the things in that book can be dumbed down to very simple types of things. All right, you heard it yourself. He says it's not complicated. We're going to find out when we come back if this is not complicated and, and who can really take control of this situation and, and put the necessary uh, precautions and uh, implement the right things. Uh, when we come back, we're going to keep talking with John. He's got the solutions for us. We're also going to talk about something he's got going on called Cyber Effect. You're going to want to stick around for that. Todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com. Justin Kazepis will be right back. Hey, I'm Justin Kazepis, host of Today's Real Talk. As I've mentioned, I'm also a real estate attorney. My firm, Kazepis Law PLLC, focuses on residential real estate closings. Taking my years of experience as a real estate broker, I have chosen to make quality of service the top priority for my law firm. 
Kazepis Law currently serves seven counties in North Carolina. Mecklenburg, Iredale, Cabarrus, Gaston, Lincoln, Catawba, and Union County. Find out more about my law firm, including scheduling your closing, at residentialreclosings.com. That's residentialreclosings.com. And now let's get back to more of today's Real Talk. Todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com. Justin Kazepis with you, joined by, I hope my friend, can I call you my friend? Is that okay? All right, Mr. John Stengel with JSCM Group, jscmgroup.com, jscmgroup.com, jscmgroup.com. He wrote a book, I've mentioned this, Security Pyramid, it's available on Amazon. You're going to want to check this out. If you are a business owner thinking about starting up a business or just have a general interest, I would even say, in cybersecurity and IT at all, uh, you got to check this book out. It's a very simple read, and I say simple in the amount of pages, and John does a very nice job and his team because he does give credit to the team that that helped him write this book um, dumbing this stuff down because when you go through these topics and you if you were to look at the uh, six levels of the security pyramid I may at the end of this book which I did I said okay I get it I mean I got to do some stuff here's some the things I got to do but how do I do this John how do I get this stuff implemented for my business tell us what JSCM can offer any company, I would say in the world. I mean, I think you guys could handle this, take this to the level. Any company that needs cybersecurity uh, protection or whatever, you tell me what the term is because I might not even be using the right term right now. So you tell me, uh, what is it about JSCM that, that you can offer any business? We can take all this, comp- this complex stuff and we can put the things in place very easily, very cheaply that are going to minimize the risk. We have not only spent 20 years working on this issue, we have spent 20 years trying to make this stuff less complicated. We have secured organizations all across the world. We have trained organizations all across the world. We have clients in Mongolia all the way to, to Turks, Turks and, and Caicos. So we, can, we, we have worked with people on all different levels, and you can dumb this stuff down, put in the necessary protections to be able to uh, detect when something happens. It's impossible to stop something from happening, but you can mitigate the risk and detect it when it does happen. That way you can put an end to it very very quickly so so let me ask you then there john if 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 jsm can jscm help me with my firewall absolutely can jscm help me with my encryption absolutely. can jscm help me with my backups yep can jscm help me with my email security we can absolutely do that. can jscm help me with my logging of course can jscm help me with my routing slash switching yes how about firewall policies absolutely what about access control <laughs> patching yes monitoring yes segmentation Authentication policies. I mentioned two-way authentication. Yep. Can you still help me with that? Of course. What about threat management? Because yep. you know there's a lot of people trying to get in and out. Correct. What about zero-day protection? Absolutely. You can help me with zero-day protection. That means you've got the inside scoop on stuff that people don't even know about yet. It's because when you go about it from a different perspective, you can detect these kind of things. See, you know how I knew that's because I read your book. You, you see how I did that right. there? I kind of hit you with a little, you weren't ready for that one. I know I almost had you there. So nah. there's a the popular piece of ransomware that hit the U.K., it was called WannaCry. Okay. Our clients didn't have an issue because we were able to detect that behavior a month before that even came out. This is the kind of people I'm hanging out with these days right now. DNS, can you help out with that? Of course. Yeah. How about IT procedures training? Absolutely. You guys will come in and actually train we a have, company. We have trainers on staff that train every week and help people with this. And user and policies? And end users, too, the end users. It's not just the IT people. 
So you can get these people on board. So you're the ones who can tell these people, these clients, like, hey, you really need to be using that portal that he's got because he's got two-way factor Absolutely. authentication to help out. Absolutely. I'm going to put you on a commercial next, John. That's it. <laughs> User policies, you can help with that, obviously. Yes. Business processes, training. Correct. We've talked about that. DR planning, yes. and then testing. Disaster recovery. Yeah. Disaster recovery. There you go. Testing. Correct. That's the entire security pyramid you guys can That's do. That's right Did there. you do that on purpose? <laughs> no, it's that that's all we do. This is what you do. What we can't do is more. We don't, we're not going to help you with your printers. We're not going to help you with your computers. We're going to just protect your doors. And I like that. You wouldn't build a house without a front door. Right. You wouldn't build a house without windows. You wouldn't build a house without a roof. You wouldn't build a house without foundation. And all of those pieces are very important. And JSCM Group can take care of the whole gambit. Right. And you also wouldn't hire a real estate attorney if you need a criminal defense. That's and accurate. That's the, that, that's the differentiation. You can't put all IT people in the same group. You really have to separate it out. There's security folks and there's IT folks. And they're separate, separate groups. So many people think I do IT and we don't. We do this one little subset that has to do with IT. But we can also help you secure your accounting procedures. We can help you with your business process so the money doesn't walk out of the door through bad wire transfers. Well, you say little, but as someone, as a business who handles personal identifiable information, I'd say pretty big aspect as far <laughs> as it goes uh, for security. So, uh, John, I, I do want to talk about a more serious subject. Um, something you don't also don't know about me. Uh, my wife is pregnant. Um, we oh, are expecting, terrific. yeah, we're expecting our first, so we are very excited. You have, um, and your team have started this. Is it, are you calling, is it a separate organization or, or cyber no, effect? it's not really even an organization. It's simply, uh, I started speaking to churches and schools about the risks parents faced and the, specifically the risks their children face. So um, we don't take any money. We don't take any donations. Um, we there's no ask, at, 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 but what we do is we simply ask to come in, talk to parents, do some Q&A about them. We'll show them the risks that they're facing, the risks that their kids are facing. It's constantly updated. What threats their kids are going to face, where they need to be careful, and how to better, better protect them. My daughter's school, which kind of started this, requires her to use an iPad to conduct her school. Mm -hmm. There's no books. In fact, this year they even took away the lockers. Mm. They require everything to happen on, on an iPad. They require her to use Google Docs. Mm -hmm. They require her to be the product for all these companies, simply so they can make things more streamlined. This absolutely infuriates me. Uh, they've also asked them to post videos on websites that don't allow videos of children on there. They're not, the schools are not familiar with how to protect our kids. The schools cannot do anything to, or are not doing things to better protect their students. They're selling out their students' identities every day. They are not secure. They are not putting adequate protections in place. And it's up to the parents to advocate for their kids. It's up to the parents to tell their kids no about these things. When you see 13-year-olds with Instagram accounts, there's, there's serious risks that are involved with this. Parents need to know about this. Mm. The world has shifted. The way you met your wife is going to be different than the way our kids will meet their wives. The, 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 it, just like it's different from the way you met your wife and, and, and how my grandparents met. These things are shifting, and if parents are not prepared or ready for this thing, you don't know what situation they're going to get themselves into. So Cyber Effect is making parents aware, uh, not only of what's out there, but the things that they can do to help protect their children. Because one of the things you've mentioned, I, I mean, children's personal identifiable information is being stolen, right? And, and you've Correct. said that until they're 18 or trying to apply for some type of credit, there's 
there's no way for them to, to know. Is there? In most cases, yeah, there's no way parents would ever know that your child's IDs are being stolen. But there are. Social Security numbers are being stolen from, from health care organizations they're interacting with and tax reform, or I'm sorry, tax returns that are being stolen and those kind of things. So the, the cyber effect simply is just what we call it um, because of the effects of, uh, uh, that, this, that the cyber world we live in have, have on our children. So we come in, we do an hour talk, we do, and, and, and to parents, it's a very candid talk. We don't allow any kids in there because we talk about serious topics. We show parents what, where these risks are on the internet. And then we do Q&A, and then we also come back a second time, and we sit down, we look through all the devices and all these kind of you help parents become ninjas. That's what I've seen. I've <laughs> if seen you. If we can affect one family inside of every talk we do, it makes it all worth it. Because we have spent years and decades dealing with schools and, and um, other organizations that have ch child information on. We see what these kids are getting into, and we see what the schools are requiring these kids to do just to complete homework assignments. It is appalling. Parents need to push back in this, and they need to stand up and defend their kids. They wouldn't let some stranger grab their kid off the street. Well, they're, you know, they could be silently stalking their kids online. It's, it's tragic. And we joke around. We've joked around today, today a little bit, and it's obviously a serious topic. And, and I've said, oh, I, you know, I'm nervous and things like that. But you know, I love to travel. My wife and I love to travel. We love to be able to go out. But it, it, it's it's just interesting that in society now, it's the little device that is connected to us at all times that, that is the one that is leaving us wide open and vulnerable. It's not the down the street. It's not the next story. It's literally right here in our pocket at all times. So so the overall gist then, give, give me the top three things you want to tell a parent right now to help protect their children when it comes to cybersecurity and the potentialness out there. That's a great question. Number one, never, ever let a child use uh, messaging app that's not native. So if you have an iPhone, use iMessage. Use Google Messenger if you're inside of that. Don't ever use a Snapchat or WhatsApp or whatever app that's going to come out. Never, ever, ever use those applications. Never allow your child to use a dating app and never allow your child on any social media. If you can do those three things, you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you could possibly save the life of your child, but you can definitely change the life of that and you don't just talk this you 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 walk the walk on this from what i can tell and from what i hear is is you guys uh you and your wonderful wife ha have figured out the way to implement this in your own home so you're doing this right now you're not just talking about it, you're being about it absolutely yeah I, I mean my kids may hate me for the next few years but hopefully they love me later on that's home, right so. the long term and i'll tell you the way i met my wife blind date there you go. that's the the uh generation neutral way to meet somebody right so so let's see like, friends encourage encourage blind dating uh just through normal though because at least you got a verified source that at that point right right yeah. so there you go so john stengel jscmgroup.com 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 thank you so much for joining me today i really appreciate well, thanks that for having me. Uh, like i said i got a little nervous at certain points but i think we made through it okay uh i'm definitely gonna want to reach out to you so is the website the best way to reach you or you tell me what's yep, the best yep inquiry forms on, on both uh, jcmgroup.com and, cy and cybereffect.org you're not going to give people your personal cell phone number or anything not. like that no you're not and okay. you have to go through an assistant to reach me so you actually can't reach me directly that's two-way authentication if I've ever heard it right there. <laughs> Justin Kazepis, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com, todaysrealtalk.com. Check out the uh, previous episode, too, guys, if this is your first time listening. This is our second episode, so check out episode one as well. Um, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram. Please check out the social media. We want to get you guys involved. If you know somebody who thinks, hey, this could be really, really good for me, you've got a friend who's going to become a parent, right? You want to hear John talk about Cyber Effect. Check that out, cybereffect.org as well. That's C-Y-B-E-R. 
E-F-F-E-C-T.org. CyberEffect.org. You're going to want to check that out if you're a parent. Um, I'm already starting to take notes, and I got a little bit of time, so I appreciate you, John, and, and your willingness to help help me out with that. So truly, I appreciate that.